Hello, hello, this is Gravel Talk Calling. Welcome to a new edition of our podcast about a very, very special group of people. Lovely people, exciting people, crazy people, people who like to ride on motorcycles, even though there exist roller skates, bicycles, and even black forest cuckoo clocks. Our gravel talker today is Bud Miller from Pennsylvania, USA. Bud, who lives just an hour outside the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, is a passionate motorcycle rider. Also, he is the author of Zen Motorcyclist Columns in Roadrunner magazine, where he takes a very philosophical look at what it means to be a biker. In this episode of Gravel Talk, Bud talks about why he gets lost on the road on purpose and how his passion about motorcycling began. Also, he shares the very tragic story of how he lost a longtime riding partner and dear friend on the road. So, let's get ready to throttle. Come on inside and meet... But, 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 but Miller, yeah! But, but, but. Hey, Bud, where are you right now? I am in Pennsylvania, United States, on the East Coast, an hour outside of Philadelphia. I was raised in Pennsylvania and went to university in Pennsylvania and raised a child here. I've always lived here. Where do you work? I mean, I know that you are uh, working as a, a writer, as a journalist. Is that uh, your, your main profession or is there something else? None of the writing is a side, uh, a side project that I've been doing for about seven years. I actually work in for a, a utility a subcontractor. We do, uh, we manage projects for a, a utility in Pennsylvania. So I do a lot of the IT management, uh, CAD management. I do some uh, app design, surveying. Uh, I recently got a drone pilot's license. So uh, flying some drones once in a while. I have my hand in a lot of things. I know that you're a big motorcycling fan. We'll talk in details about it uh, in just a minute. But how, how did this fascination about motorcycling begin? Tragically, it began with the early uh, premature death of my father. He was just 57. This was uh, 1998, I believe. My brother, I have a younger brother, three years younger. He had always ridden motorcycles. And I, to deal with the grief, I suggested that my brother find me a used bike and we'd spend some time, you know, he would teach me how to ride and I'd see if I like it. And it would, we didn't have a lot in common. So it was, a, it was something to bond over after the loss of our father. And I took uh, a long trip eventually after I got some experience to see my sister in North Carolina. That was you know, a 10 or 12 hour ride. And by the time I got back, I, I thought I wanted to write, but I had no idea what. I just had a lot of thoughts in my head. So I started a blog of my own, which led to the pages of Roadrunner magazine that I've been contributing to for the last seven years. In your blog and the articles that you write, you're using the name Zen Motorcyclist. Why? They actually suggested it based on my first few contributions. I was calling myself commuting motorcyclist because that's what I, I thought I knew because I, I commuted for several years Uh, year-round in all kinds of weather, snow, rain, cold, heat. But after my first few uh, blog posts for them, they suggested I was misnamed and I should call myself Zen. And I thought it made sense. So 
it's been ever since Zen motorcycles. So that's a spiritual component. Yeah, uh, it's all. I don't write anything technical about motorcycles. The people know a lot more than I do about the workings of the bikes and mechanics. And so I work. I write about philosophical ideas, uh, love, loss, exaltation, poetry, music, my uh, musings, whatever comes to me on the bike. But how do motorcycling and spirituality fit? How do they go together? I've always said I, I think it's the fact that you, your mind and body has to be so engaged that it's a, a form of meditation. You're, you're so focused and so engaged that I seem to have remembrances and ideas and thoughts that I don't have any other way. You know, I'll remember things on a motorcycle that have never occurred to me off the bike. And I can't explain it. I mean, some people get it that focus from meditation. I get it from, from speed and sound and, and uh, being engaged. I don't know if that's something all motorcyclists feel. It's unique to me. If it's a uh, physiological or, or psychological, I'm not sure, but I, that's where I get my ideas and where I, where I feel the happiest. So do you usually travel on your own? Is that best for your thoughts or for your creativity? I mostly ride by myself. Yeah. I had a, a riding partner, Bob Walden, for uh, years, who I met actually coincidentally through the magazine, but uh, sadly he passed away on the road with me two years ago. He was a chopper pilot for 21 years and, and then a Harley enthusiast. And, uh, but one, one year we rode to Tennessee and back from Pennsylvania, which was about 13 hours. And the very next week, Bob traded in his Harley and got a, a, a GS, a BMW GS 1250. <laughs> He became a, a BMW devotee, but still continued to wear his Harley mesh jacket, which he liked. What was so special about your relationship? I, I know there, there's this one uh, uh, text of yours, uh, Wonder Often, Wonder Always, that describes it in detail, but tell me about it. There are certain people that you come across that uh, when you are with them, you don't bring the baggage of everyday life. You, you, Bob and I were like uh, teenagers together. We joked a lot. We laughed a lot. We talked about music and our children and we didn't complain about work we had no time for complaints we just laughed and laughed and laughed and tell jokes uh insult each other the way only the best friends can get away with on the ride back from from tennessee it was 13 hours and we told every joke we could imagine and just to keep each other focused and awake and and uh you know on the road we just had a lot of fun together There was there was no uh, no hardship. He was easy to be around. He, he was a he was a good uh, fun guy. Very accomplished, big family, kind heart. Could talk to anyone about anything. He 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 loved Porsches. He loved motorcycles. Loved his kids. Just a good guy. It took me a long time to get over that. That I mean, I saw him die at the side of the road. And it took me a long time to, to get past all the, the guilt. We had just had lunch. Everybody was happy. The last thing Bob and I were talking in our helmets, we always did. And, uh, I heard two bumps and it didn't sound right. And I turned around and his bike was laying on the side of the road. He had hit a tree and his body was maybe 30, 40 feet down, a, down a hill. And I yelled his name and I saw his chest rise and fall and it didn't rise again. And there was a nurse with us who, who 
saw had passed the bike and knew something happened. She came running up the hill screaming, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse. And she tried to work on him and she said, buddy's gone. So we're, you know, uh, my friend Al Schwartz was with me that day and, and never left my side. The, the, the rest of the group, I asked to, you know, go around the corner and stay safe off the road because it was a country road with no uh, shoulder. And we had to wait maybe an hour for help to come because there was no cell reception. A passing motorist said, I will call as soon as I can get off the mountain. And so, you know, we for an hour. We stood there with my friend, you know, gone by the side of the road. And I had to, I called his wife and uh, had to break the news to her. Devastating. I went back the next day uh, by myself just to try and figure it out. And I, I believe uh, he may have lost focus for a split second and left the road. And there was a very uh, maybe four inch drop from the pavement edge. And he may have gotten his bike outside that and couldn't get it back on the road. And unfortunately, it was a very big tree right there that he couldn't avoid. In one of your Roadrunner motorcycle columns, you wrote this, and I quote, The motorcycle is a miracle machine, unlike any other that can bring people into our lives we would otherwise never have met, unquote. Can you tell me more about these moments in your biker life? There's a, a site called meetup.com where you can start groups. Uh, anybody can start a group. I was in a hiking group. I started a motorcycle group and we had 200 members at one point. And I would find that I'm seated across the table at lunch with someone and having a conversation and don't even know what they do for a living. You know, people talk about their kids or their hobbies or their love of motorcycles. And then I found out later they're doctors and they're lawyers and we're, you know, there's something about motorcycles that, that bonds people and it becomes the topic of conversation and politics and religion and all the things that cause people uh, consternation and get into arguments over aren't issues. And I've, I've seen it countless times with big groups of people who just ride together and then have fun together and, and then go their separate ways. What are the special and treasured moments you have experienced while riding a bike over the years? Oh, there's uh, dozens and dozens. I was on a trip in the Blue Ridge Parkway with uh, my friend Walter. And Walter is a Vietnam veteran. And we stopped for uh, a rest, stretch our legs and a bathroom break. And another veteran walked over and, and uh, whispered something quietly to Walter. And they both walked away and they spent five or 10 minutes talking privately. And, uh, and then Walter came back. And this is something I hadn't seen before. Vietnam veterans uh, are drawn to each other. And they, <laughs> they hadn't known each other, but they shared a minute. I, I'm, I'm assuming they said, thank you for your service. And that was special to me. Another member of that group, Stanley, he had, uh, he had bad knees. So we would stop at the Blue Ridge Parkway. It has a lot of pull-offs where you could see vistas of mountain ranges and And my girlfriend was with me at the time and everybody was looking, you know, taking pictures. And we said, Stanley, do you, you know, are you going to, are you going to see the scenery? And Stanley said, ah, I've seen trees. Stanley just wanted to ride and he didn't like to stop. <laughs> but, 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 Miller, yeah. but, 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 but,
a lot of traffic? How fast can you drive? And how friendly is the police treating you? I honestly have never been pulled over. I'm not a crazy fast rider, but the police are not really an issue here. With The issue we have in this part of the country are, is wildlife, deer in particular. I was, I was taken out by a deer about six years ago at about 45 miles an hour on my morning commute to work. He hit me from the side and I didn't see him coming. And I just found myself flying through the air. My bike was gone. And uh, that's the issue around here, especially from early November till, till uh, late December. The deer are very active and they can often come flying out of the out of the woods at a moment's notice. A lot of the roads here have trees that grow right up to the sides of the roads. So there is no visible area where you could see anything coming. So they're often right on the road before you know it. I was riding in Arizona last summer and, and I noticed the, the stark difference there. You could see forever out there and you can go very fast and, and have no fear of being uh, anything coming into the road because you could see forever. So I learned to ride fast in Arizona last summer on a GS, oddly. <laughs> you just recently got a new motorcycle, if I'm correct. I mean, I think it's a Triumph Tiger 850 Sport. Yes, I actually, I bought the very first Tiger 850 Sport in the United States. <laughs> I've had, uh, I believe, four Triumphs. And uh, three of those have been street triples. And I, I just... I'm in love with the sound and the feel of the of the three-cylinder Triumph. And I've been in the market for another adventure bike to uh, be a stable mate, so to speak, of my street triple, which is not conducive to two-up riding. And I, I, I wanted to, I love riding with a partner. So I'd envisioned another adventure bike with a little more comfort, still have the reliability of the Triumph name. And they're aesthetically, they're just gorgeous machines. The Tiger 850 Sport is a, my favorite color scheme is gray and red, and it's just the, the level of finish and quality on that bike is, is incredible for a price that doesn't break the bank. So for somewhat less than, than a, a brand new equipped GS, I have two, two bikes with completely different profiles that I can ride completely separate uh, ways. The Street Triple is fantastic for uh, solo day trips. I have saddlebags for it. I have it completely uh, set up for my, my, I have very long legs. So I was able to, to tune the street triple to, to match me and fit me very well. And it's a, it's a very fast, albeit uncomfortable after a long ride motorcycle. And uh, the, the adventure style is obviously I can stand, which I like, and it's much more comfortable, better wind protection. Just, uh, you know, the reason adventure bikes were created in the first place, I can take it down a Jeep trail or a dirt road if I, if I want to, which I, I have done on the street triple, but I don't recommend it. So when you hit the road and go on a tour, what kind of gear do you always carry along? For me, it's always based on roads that I want to ride and places that I want to see. So I, was, I, I spend some time in uh, upstate New York. It was just beautiful, mountainous, green, lush landscape. I pack light. I mean, uh, I think most uh, modern adventure bikes have much more room than I could ever fill. And I usually take, uh, I always carry a notebook to uh, pull over and jot down ideas that I get on the ride. And I take a uh, comfortable pair of shoes, obviously rain gear. I'm bald, so I always carry a hat, a <laughs> uh, couple pairs of gloves. Obviously, you have to check temperature and summertime is easy because it's, you know, the temperature doesn't vary much, but. Fall and spring. Today it, it's uh, 
60 degrees, but by the time it's uh, evening, uh, when it gets dark, it's going to be around 30 degrees. So the temperature drops considerably. So I'm going to ride later on today and, and I'm going to make sure that I have a heated liner because it's, if it's in the 30s when I'm coming back, it's going to be quite cold. How did you like riding the GS last year in Arizona? Like I said, I went out to, uh, flew out to Arizona and rode a friend's bike last summer. Something I was always reluctant to do, but uh, I had never been on a GS before and I, and I wanted to. So I, I, I was on that for about four days in about a thousand miles. How was it? It was incredible. I was amazed at how stable it was at high speeds. I mean, cruise control at 90 miles an hour seemed like nothing, especially in the landscapes of the Arizona desert, Grand Canyon. That machine is confidence inspiring, although it's, it is very big. But you wrote a book, Zen Motorcyclist Waypoints, Volume 1. Tell me about that. It is actually a collection of 24 uh, columns that I had submitted throughout the years to Roadrunner magazine. I actually approached them because I had read some other books and thought that I had a body of work that uh, was worthy of uh, publication. And my original intent was for it to be small in size, to be tucked into a uh, motorcycle luggage for people to read. They're all short between 300 words and 800 words. So in my experience, I always pack the book away in my bag for coffee stop or lunch. Or Since I ride alone, it occurred to me that I'd like to read some of my writings uh, that I could start and finish quickly in a few minutes. So that's where the idea came from. So I approached uh, Roadrunner and they, they actually said that they had already been considering it. And uh, I've written about 60,000 words for Roadrunner, and, and uh, my initial thought was to publish it all. But uh, they own the content, and their idea was something small and shorter. So I suggested the title, and, and they, I had a friend do the cover art, a local artist that I know named Gretchen. And uh, I, I'm pleased with it. My, my favorite part of that book was handing it to my mother, who read it cover to cover. She was quite proud of it. Now, in your motorcycle columns, very often people meet, they come together and start to connect. It seems as if motorcycles serve as door openers here. Why is that? I think it's uh, part of being exposed. I, I, people gravitate to motorcycles, even people who don't ride. I, I've had conversations in shopping center parking lots, that just standing by my bike, get it, loading it with I, I grocery shop with my motorcycle. I put, I'm putting my bags and someone will wander over and start to talk to me about bikes they had when they were young or, you know, ask me questions about mine. I think we're approachable because we're, we're uh, exposed. You know, I, I don't see people with a pickup truck walk over to another person with a pickup truck and start to talk. It just doesn't happen. But motorcyclists, Maybe because there are fewer of us on the road, we, we gravitate toward each other. I, I've, I've met many, many young people who admire my bikes and say they want to get one. And, and I try to give them whatever advice I can about starting small and starting slow and don't get anything too big at first. And I think it's our, it's our job as uh, having made it this far to pass on whatever skill and, and uh, advice we have to keep other people safe, as my brother did for me. How often do you get lost on the road? I get lost on purpose. <laughs> I have an idea for a column. Uh, I wear a bracelet on my wrist, that the theme of which is never lost. I'd say lost in quotes because you're always where you're supposed to be. So lost just means uh, you have more to discover. So I, I ride with the GPS, but I don't often turn it on until it's time to find my way home. I prefer to wander. 
You've been writing for more than 20 years now. What are your plans or dreams for the future connected to the motorcycle? In uh, 2022, uh, my friend Ken Myers will retire and we are planning a cross-country trip. Ken and two of his friends and myself are going to ride. I believe the other three guys are all on Kawasaki Versus. And uh, Ken had the idea to call it USA on $100 a day because he was his, his idea was to allot $100 for each of us per day and try to find accommodations and maybe camp a little bit and make our way across the country and then and then trailer the bikes back. I'm still a working man, so I don't have unlimited vacation. So I don't have a month, unfortunately, to, to, to travel like that. But I can take two weeks and make it across the USA. I'm looking forward to that. Ken's one of my best friends in, in the cycling world, and he's always a lot of fun. So where are you guys going to sleep? In a tent or do you prefer motel? I prefer hotels, but uh, motorcycle camping is something that I'm just starting to explore. I'm actually just looking at equipment now, but I find it intriguing. I've always loved the the, uh, the woods, and uh, being alone is uh, is important to me. So it's just another exciting part of, of motorcycling. There is a uh, there's a park near uh, a few hours from here in central Pennsylvania called I believe it's called Cherry Springs, and it's supposed to be one of the darkest spots in in on the eastern seaboard in terms of ambient light not reaching it. So the the sky is supposedly gorgeous there. And that's that's one place I'd like to camp this summer just to see the stars at night. I have a friend, Yuval, who who uh, is from Israel, and he said he camped on the Golan Heights. And he said it's, it was similar, just gorgeous experience at night. So what kind of security advice does then motorcyclists have for his young followers who would like to learn how to ride a motorcycle? Oh, take a safety course. We have we have great safety courses here in, in the Pennsylvania or in the United States. They're not uh, required. I took one with my brother and it was invaluable. I caution people to get out of the mindset of riding, driving a car because there are decisions I make in my car that if I made them on a motorcycle could put me in harm's way. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. You may just think you're it's a different conveyance, but you have to get in a different mindset when you're on a motorcycle. You can't make assumptions you make when you're in a car. Motorcycle selection, you know, obviously don't get anything that's too big or too small. You know, it has to fit your body. You have to learn about the nuances of front braking, back braking, throttle control. There are so many things that involve muscle memory that take time that you're not going to have overnight. You're not going to learn until you do. So I tell people to be careful and ride with someone who's knowledgeable, right in front of someone knowledgeable. who can. You stop for a rest break. He can say, I saw you do this. You might want to change that behavior. Uh, gear. I, I see a lot of people here. Helmets are not required in Pennsylvania, but having been taken out by a Pennsylvania white-tailed deer at 45 miles an hour, I can tell you, I would not be speaking to you if I had not been wearing a helmet that day. So I'm all for exercising rights, but here in Pennsylvania, when it's deer season, you should wear a helmet. It's just common sense. I have a a, a brand new helmet I just purchased last summer, and it, I believe it weighs just over three pounds. So they're not the uh, heavy claustrophobic helmets of old. They're very light. Almost don't know you're you're wearing them. So you no know, gear and training and experience and humility will keep you happy and keep you on the road. Snap decisions and and bravado get people killed. I always call myself an unlikely motorcyclist. I'm not a thrill seeker. I don't even like roller coasters. They scare me. I'm claustrophobic for one thing. My safety conscious riding style is 100% the, the result of my mother being afraid of me riding. 
if I have a bad accident, she's going to worry and I would probably give it up. And I did have one accident, but I had full gear on. And after that deer hit me, I stood right up. I had a broken collarbone, but I was able to say, hey, mom, look, I had knee pads on. I had a helmet on. I had gloves on. I had training. I did everything right. I was okay. Do you have any plans to travel other countries? To be honest, I've never been to Europe. So yeah, it's on my list. I'd love to to see the Alps, to to ride through Italy and, and uh, Germany. Absolutely. Once all this COVID nonsense is passed and, you know, we can travel more freely. I'm at a, a point in my life where my daughter is, is uh, grown and has a child of her own and I have plenty of free time. And uh, financially, I'm in a great position thanks to the company that I work for. So Europe is definitely on my list. Zen motorcyclist, Bud Miller. Thank you so much, Bud, for being our guest on Gravel Talk today. I enjoyed it very much, Ralph. It's a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. But, 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 Miller, yeah. But, but, but. Bud Miller from Pennsylvania, USA. Truly a fantastic guy to meet and to chat with. If you would like to connect with Bud via social media or read some of his Zen Motorcyclist columns, just visit our website, graveltalk.com. You will find all the links you need there, along with some photos of Bud actually riding a motorcycle. Amazing! So be sure to check our website, graveltalk.com. Graveltalk.com Until we meet again, Our next Gravel Talk podcast will be available soon. But Miller, yeah. But, but, but.